Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to amplify the voices of the women whose stories are moving and meaningful and compelling. And I can tell you one thing, today's guest, Jory Desjardins, definitely has a compelling story, if not many compelling stories. Jory, welcome to the show. Hi, Susan. And look, my French is not the best. Did I butcher your name or did I get it right? I was actually just remarking to myself that that was really good. Oh, that's awesome. I have to say my son went to a school in Hawaii when we lived there. It was called Le Jardin. So that much I knew, but I wasn't sure if the day or du or, you know, so yay, I got it right. Well done. It's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name. And look, not, you know, there's so much to talk about here today. You are so multifaceted. Um, I don't even remember how we met, but I think it was the club. Is that right? The club. So I have a lot of friends at the club. Yeah. You, I think you were a speaker, um, uh, but why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself? I'm so excited to have you on the show. Great. So um, I am a Chicago native girl who uh, was always fascinated by words. And when I left, uh, when I graduated from college, I started my career originally in the publishing industry. Um, I really wanted to be a book writer <laughs> and a book editor and have a very literary career. And so I headed out uh, a little bit early because I was anxious to go, uh, to, I was anxious to go and fulfill that dream and got to New York was working at a publishing company and really saw how hard the whole thing was <laughs> for one thing. Well, tell me more about that. What made it hard? Well, um, I think that being a writer and I was writing a lot up to that point, I just expected, well, just through osmosis, I should just hang out with a lot of book editors and other writers and that <laughs> will help me finish my great American novel, which was never never actually materializing because I was constantly busy reading other people's work, which is sort of the, the existential dilemma of any editor who had once thought they were going to be a writer. I'm sure directors feel that way too, if they were once actors, is you wanna be in the action and then you realize, oh, well, um, it's, it's harder to be in the action when you're directing the action or right. you're editing the action. You're, you're so another side of the coin. Right, right. And so I, um, I decided that I was going to change it up a little bit and, and moved around quite a bit. I was a magazine editor, a book editor, and then eventually became an online uh, website editor which at the time was no one really knew what that was. Why, what, what is the web? And right. they thought, right, isn't it crazy to think about? And <clears throat> at the time it was really just about taking everything that was in print and just moving it online. There was no such thing as really great web experience. So- um, It was like static wear. Yes, yes. It I was, remember. <laughs> right, way back when. Uh, it's funny because I now work with people who were not even born at that point and <laughs> try to explain that to them. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so funny. My my son doesn't know how to mail a letter. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? So or have conversations and look people in the eye and all yeah, kinds of things yeah. that we that we once had to do. <laughs> right. I and I used to carry these really fat, heavy manuscripts on my back in a backpack because that was my work as I was constantly reading manuscripts. So I'm, I love that part of it being an, an English lit major. I loved reading all the time, but it really wasn't helping my writing very much. Uh, so I was kind of evolving in, in this world, trying to figure out what did I really want to do and was swept up by the internet because, um, that was where things were going back in the mid nineties and started working uh, for an online media company that was pretty big at the time, um, big for, for online because no one else was, was there yet called iVillage. Um, oh, I which, remember that. Do you remember iVillage? Oh I, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. That They were great. It was so progressive and oh, un yeah. unknown uncharted territory well and what i thought was remarkable about it it was actually very irritating when i was there but remarkable when i think about it is that there was this group of media people and we all were in this new space some of us came from magazines some of us came from tv some from books and we all had our own way of doing things. And we all kind of were mashed into this new uh, online world and trying to do it uh, the way that we knew, the that way we thought good. it should be done. Which, Same language, different dialects. Which, right. Which can be like different languages altogether. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and That's it's amazing, amazing to think that now everyone knows, knows digital. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. online. But at the time, it was so new and so different and and I, I loved it, but I also, I didn't really like the company. <laughs> <It wasn't, laughs> I didn't really like um, some of the people and I thought it was a little wicked. And I, um, I ended up taking an offer by a group of people who were building out in Silicon Valley, um, in San Francisco more specifically, they were building a company and they were moving it out to, to where all of the action was happening. And I have to say, I had no interest in uh, this, this gold rush of online um, riches to be found. I, I had no interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> I, I thought it was all a big hoax, but I did like that, that the web was so new and you could really do incredible things um, if you just were innovative and were in an environment where you could be innovative. So. I, I took a role and moved across the country on a whim. Didn't even have, didn't even leave my apartment yet. I didn't yet, um, I was renting and I, I, none of that was settled. I just moved out and said, I'm gonna go get my stuff later for a web startup and wow. never came back. Uh, I mean, I stayed in, in San Francisco. Um, so clearly it, it resonated with me and I mean, of course I came back to New York and when I started my own company, but it really did, I, I didn't even know I was a tech person or a web person. And that was to come a little bit later, but that's what got me out to San Francisco and kind of became my destiny later on as nice. I started to build out things online, like, um, like Blog Her, which was a company that I co-founded with two other women who were also uh, in media, in marketing, and were 
totally digging what was happening as blogging was taking off and we all were able to get our voices out there and do so in a way that was so unique. I um, love that. Right? Like I thought I had to move to New York and. Yeah, no. So I remember um, the confusion. So I have a degree in political science and another in journalism and then my master's in communications. So for me, journalism was, you know, Walter Cronkite or, you know, <laughs> like, um, and then these blogosphere, this blogosphere was the word it came around and people were blogging so called news. And some of it was fact based and right on and you got so confused you're like, can you trust the, the blogger. He, this is not a, you know, trained journalist. No. Some are some are right but it, the, the blur was there you didn't know who was and who wasn't. But I was loving it. I was like the blogosphere, you go there and you can find anything you need. And, and people were like, what is the blogosphere? <laughs> I just thought it was so cool. You know? Oh, I thought it was addicting. Like I dropped everything. Totally, totally. <laughs> and went for it. it, right? And and I think, <laughs> uh, so we, we've co-founded BlogHer in 2005. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. Even that seems like, so long ago it was in, you look in, great <laughs> i've been around so uh and, and blog her was i mean it became it's it, a community and a media company it also spawned what i would uh what i think in the marketing world is known as influencer marketing and and um, yes. working with influencers with digital platform pull who could uh in a fully disclosed way um, help to uh, make brands more prominent, but that really, that became um, part of what we did, but we really built it because we were so addicted to this experience of being able to, uh, to be online and to get our voice out uh, the way we wanted it to be out. We didn't have to go pitch an editor. We could just right. start blogging. You're so direct that was cool. to the, the viewer, direct to the user. I, th I mean, I think it's amazing that we can, That's right. yeah. If anything, yeah. it's sort of like putting your your publishing destiny in your own hands. Yeah, a lot of work, but if you're motivated and you start to develop connections and community online, it's it's pretty amazing, and it, it's it's empowering. Empowering. That's the word I was going to use. I I know I've interrupted you a couple of times, so I know we'll overlap in our conversations. But, yeah. um, because we have a lot in common, we are very enthusiastic women about mm -hmm. what we do and what each other does. And yes, I would say empowering is the word. You're able to share who you are in the realest of ways, if that's even a phrase. Um, I I love it. I think it's like you said, addicting. I get lost in you know. Hopefully I'm learning to manage all the knowledge and the information that's coming at me. Yeah. The internet. Well, I think, so it's interesting because it's the addicting quality that I think I've always been attracted to. And yet I think the way the internet is evolving, that's also part of its undoing. And I'll, yes. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, because I think this is all part of the, the narrative that I did not know I unwittingly was, was uh, living. But with BlogHer, we, we built it because we, we felt so empowered from, from, by this. We wanted to give people another way to, to express and to also benefit from, from being online and building their, their digital um, enterprises online. 
So we did that for a long time. We, we were, uh, we incorporated and were in business for 10 years before we exited. Um, and we were, uh, we merged with a company called Shino's Media, which was another fairly large um, women's media company, very large actually. And um, from there, I, I continued to be interested in media, but I also thought that because online was where everything was going, I mean, most traditional media companies that they were not um, completely online were significantly online. Uh, I yeah. realized that there was such a shift in the business where a lot of, if you're an advertising-based business, things were just getting a little out of hand. And you were seeing crazy ads all the time. Sometimes you were waiting 10 seconds for a screen to show up because there was so much, there was so much advertising and so much. Oh, I hated um, the pop-ups. Yeah, the pop-ups. Pop-ups were, oh my God. I was like, you interrupted yeah. me. It was like um, so much innovation in the ad tech space, but it was also a bit overwhelming. And I felt like my role had changed so much from, from being at a media company to, I, I, as I call it, like day trading in, in digital advertising and yeah. working with, you know, a lot of this, this um, programmatic inventory, just the way the business has evolved. And I, I wanted to see something a little disruptive. I wanted to go back to media and simplify the way it was to just great experiences. And I think actually a lot of what we see today, uh, there's so many really great um, subscription services and so many of the, of the great media companies are really um, providing that through subscription services, but also uh, companies like Substack where they're kind of taking the, the newsletter and the opt-in culture and just blowing it up where you can opt into to reading people and um, and paying for that experience versus the advertising experience. So anyway, I, here I am, I'm, I'm post acquisition and I was advising a number of companies and I'm trying to figure out what is it that really excites me these days. And I was dabbling in all kinds of tech. I was uh, excited for a while about VR, AR, MR, which are all forms of different reality. I was into blockchain because it helped uh, people to monetize their data, their influence, their contributions in a way that had never been done before. And, uh, and I also got really into working with founders on a pretty constant basis because I'm an eternal optimist and love uh, building companies and helping people build their companies. So that's when I, I, uh, your expertise on another call one day, I'm sitting here, my wheels are turning. I'm taking notes. I rarely do that. I love all of my guests. All of my guests are phenomenal women and phenomenal allies in the fight. Um, but I rarely take notes. I'm sitting here jotting down all this great stuff. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm gonna keep happy to. Style. Are you are you a physical note taker or do you take notes from typing? Physical, old yeah. school. <laughs> I have to say, there's one thing that this pandemic has uh, restored for me. It's it's writing notes. I used to just type all the time and. I, I was feeling disconnected and I didn't like when I was on these Zoom calls just staring at people, but I'm really typing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That blank look. So I, I started writing my face. notes again. <laughs> yeah. And there's something about writing that helps me to internalize sure. 
I don't know how to describe it, but it works. It works better for me. Now it's harder to find. Search is not so great on my written notes. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. Um, I have an old fashioned um, college ruled spiral notebook (laughs) and God forbid it burns or I lose it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to admit that because I like to think that I'm pretty progressive, maybe in other areas, but I still take old fashioned handwritten notes. I still struggle to read my junior high girl curly big letter handwriting. And, um, you know, I'm still trying to perfect what looks more like a grown up signature, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I thought I'd forgotten how to handwrite anything until I started taking notes again. But I I do think that um, because everything is so digitized, there are some things that I've been reclaiming like print books. I love reading a book in print at night. Um, I love writing my notes. And this is, this is sort of where I've been exploring um, in my, my latest, um, my latest life, career life is I, I joined a tech company and yes, it is tech, but um, it's the, the founders are tech uh, visionaries, but also tech veterans. They were here from the beginning, much like I was, and they realized that things have really shifted uh, with, with tech as evidenced in, um, and, and articulated in docu- documentary, most recently in The Social Dilemma. Have you seen that yeah. oh, on yeah. Netflix? Definitely. Yeah. Right, where, where you realize, oh, okay, I'm being gamified and right. my data and all of my activity um, is, is not only helping to enhance my convenience, it's helping to, uh, it's being monetized and used without my permission. And I think we're only as a, as a society starting to come to terms with that and understanding what that means. I don't think we were that bothered by it for a long time. I know I wasn't because it was so convenient to bank online or to do certain things online. Um, and really, it wasn't until things like my, my data getting hacked or, or you know, these back uh, when Facebook was in front of Congress around the, the Cambridge Analytica deal that we actually- That's what I was just gonna mention. Yeah, where you realize, oh, I didn't really give them permission <laughs> to, to develop, um, you know, for, to have my data actually data turned against version of me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My best interests. And there's so many ways that we probably aren't even fully aware of yet, uh, in terms of how is our data being used. And I think companies are trying to do the right thing, but we're, we're so the horse is so out of the barn at this point that it's hard to rein all of this in and to control how do we help people control their data and own it again? It's really hard to do it's because like we're so reliant. Back in the tube. Yes, and and there's a whole slew of, uh, I'm calling it next generation companies and social media companies that are looking at this problem and saying, you know, it's not about trying to put stuff it all back in the bottle, but let's just um, validate people's identity when they come in. And then we can trust them after that. And there's different approaches that that we're seeing out there in the world. But the company that I joined, the at company, is literally turning things on its head and saying, all right, what if you were to start over in essence? And from the get-go, you own your data and you control who gets access to it. 
and anyone who wants or needs your data to perform something, any third party, they basically log into you. Is it like a subscribe to you thing? Well, it, it, an it it's a totally different thing. It's, I mean, it's an, you get something called an at sign, which is a unique identifier. It's sort of like having your own web address, right? Like I have uh, jorydesjardin.com. That's what I did. And I got one for my kids when they were born so they could have their own domain. I've also bought them at signs, which are their unique identifier. In, in my case, my at sign is at jory, at sign jory. Gotcha. And associated with that at sign is my data, is my personal data. So when I'm using wow. an app that is on, that works with this protocol that we've developed, then all I have to say is um, I'm at Jory and I've already set the permissions and all of my data can be used how I've specified it to be used. Wow. And I own it. Empowering. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. You're not a, like blogging was when mercy. we first started. Exactly. We used to joke about tech people. Um, when I worked, again, I worked also in tech, but in financial services, but we would say that no one understands what the tech people do. It was like the man behind the curtain in The Wizard yeah. of Oz. But now you're taking control of your own identity, your own activity. You're not a victim of the man behind the curtain, right? So knowing what you yeah. do and don't know. I love this. I'm going to have to learn more about it for sure. And we'll put We'll put links to your new company and we'll put the mission, vision, strategy, whatever you want to put in the blog. We're happy to do that to explain it in layman's terms because um, my, my viewers and listeners and readers of the blog will definitely be interested. I don't know anyone who wouldn't. I mean, I'm not friends with any Russian bots. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be so happy about this. Right, <laughs> the <exactly>. Russian bot. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's get back to you for a second. What exactly is your role at this new um, or your role at this company? Well, I'm the chief marketing officer. And at this stage in the company, it's really about raising awareness um, amongst the public around this issue of what's happening with their data, because you're not going to completely change the way you're engaging online until you understand that problem. So that's a big part of what I'm doing right now is um, is working with a lot of people in, in uh, data privacy policy. I'm getting smarter about it. Uh, we're starting to launch our first apps in the marketplace so people can actually kind of play around with them and see what it's like to own their own data and to be able to control that. I, we had this fun, uh, we, well, we think it's fun. Uh, <laughs> it's an ability to revoke your data from, from an app. So let's just wow. say you and I are on a chat app. I can pull all of my, my thread from that app. That is if I want for sure. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Because sometimes you have things out there you don't want out there. Exactly. Exactly. I have someone in mind. I want to introduce you to he's in Silicon Valley. He was actually one of the creators of Netscape back with Andreessen, but he's a, he's a, um, an investor and I am very, very close to him. I think he would be, extremely fascinated by and interested in what you're doing. So I'm glad that you're taking the chance uh, to share more about that on this podcast. And Jory, I will put whatever you need or want to share in the blog. Um, but I just want to shift gears a bit to ask yeah. you, um, is this your proudest professional accomplishment? Because I know you've had many. 
Yes, I would say, so um, I hope this one will be, but it's so new. I would say that um, to date, my proudest one is Blog Her. And that's nice. because um, I, with my co-founders, were able to take really an idea and something that we all were passionate about, really passionate about, not a great, not just a, a good market idea or a concept, but something that a we felt needed to be in the world, right? Yes, purpose-driven, yeah. Yes, and we're I able to make a business and a market out of it. I totally want to talk to you after um, our podcast because um, I don't know. I didn't know all of this about you. I knew, I knew I loved you. I knew about your books. I knew, I knew a little bit about your past. Um, I try not to get to know my guests extremely well before the podcast, because I want to get to know them on the podcast. It makes yeah. for a much more authentic conversation. And that is what's happened here today. I have discovered a jewelry I didn't know and cannot wait to share some um, thoughts with you, ask you lots of questions and maybe help you in your new role um, at this company. I would say if, you're, if your colleagues are listening, they're probably saying that hiring Joy was our proudest <laughs> professional moment, right? Oh, I would say there is, is developing this absolutely brilliant protocol because sure, it, sure. I, was, I mean, I have to say that, um, yeah, when I first heard of the company, I kind of said, yeah, all right. Um, I think there, there's a lot of technology out there that's trying to attack this, this very issue of yeah. data ownership. Um, and they haven't done it very well, <laughs> to be honest. And um, when I met with the founders, just first of all, what really impressed me about them is that, is that they, they actually derive joy out of this. And privacy sure. is not always the most fun topic in the world. Let's, let's just be honest. They have figured out how to have an amazing time with this whole notion of how to make the internet fun and fun again. And we joke, and we laugh. Right. That's what started yeah. this conversation. When I said, I'd, I hope that I'm learning how to manage information through the internet. That's exactly you know, what you're talking about, manage your own information, control your own um, data. So yeah, personal data. I, I love all of this and I can't wait to learn more after the call. I'm going to go check them out. Um, let's talk a little bit about lifting women up. You know, yeah. that's my business model is all about amplifying the voices of other women and other minorities uh, and then allies, allies who agree and are at, you know, giving it their best in the fight. So how can we, um, give me some advice. How can we lift other women in business or support other women in business? You bet. Um, I think, and this goes, I'm going to tell a very short story because it's going to help make my point. When I was in the midst of, of building and growing a company, I did a lot of speaking uh, to women about how to build companies because we had done it and because we got venture capital funding and that's a rare thing for female founders. Yes. And um, so a lot of people would ask me about how did you do that? How, how can I get visibility, et cetera? And uh, I was on a panel once and someone had asked me about how we got our series B, which is a, a, another round of funding. When you're in a scale phase, you have to achieve certain milestones and, and series B is, is, is far, fairly far along. And 
the investor on the panel, another woman said, well, I, I would definitely fund more, more women if there were just more great women founders to fund. And I thought, oh my God, you know, this is like the ongoing yeah. discussion. It's like, oh, if only there were more good ones. Pipeline. I would, Pipeline. right? Yeah. yeah. And I said, you know, the problem is that when women don't get the opportunities to begin with, there's very few that you, that will make it to that point. You've got to just, you've got to give them the opportunity. We need access. Right. So, you know, it's a chicken and egg situation. And yeah. I will bet you money that the more women that get, get the chance to build companies and that get this funding, the more that will deserve it, do you know, <laughs> the more that will do something with it. Have you heard of board seat meat? Yes. Awesome. Do you know Rika Nakazawa? I do not. I want to introduce the two of you. Have you heard of the fourth floor? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. I want to introduce you to them too. So um, I interviewed Breen Sullivan this morning. She's the founder of The Fourth Floor. And I'm on the board at Board Seat Meet and I'm friends with the founder, Rika Nakazawa. You must wow. meet them. I'll share um, the blogcasts about them with you before I make introductions. Um, but you are such a remarkable woman. We're all on that same journey trying to ensure that women's voices are heard and their actions are respected and they have access to um, that community that, that men so often have, whether it's at the club, on the course, in the restaurant, you know, whatever, they, they seem to have a lot of access where we don't have that seat at the table and we're working on it. But right. I think that the three of us or four of us, I should say, have a lot of conversation to be had. Um, and I also want to introduce you to Dan Udach of R Squared. Um, he and you would just totally hit it off, definitely. Um, and he is an investor and he is investing right now into um, a data analytics company that I think you might help. I don't know. I'm just thinking my brain is buzzing. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're like on fire right now. I'm on fire. Like it's painful. <laughs> I'm writing and I'm thinking and I'm... It's just, there's a lot of, um, you know, things. Well, I want to call something out that I, I feel deserves a lot of attention. I am um, in this summer because here I was um, plotting my next move. And, you know, we had so much unrest for, for many reasons. I mean, not just the pandemic. I mean, there was so much unrest and it really got me thinking about uh, underrepresented founders. Yes. And while I did that, I, I joined... Uh, a venture fund as the VC in residence called the W Fund. Uh, oh, w nice. for women, right? It's for women, but it's also for underrepresented founders. And I just have to say, like, I there's there's been a, a really encouraging proliferation of organizations that are just walking the talk, because I think there was a lot of oh yes, we support women or we we support um, people it's of all color. We are. Right. But, but really, you know, like there, if you, if you support them, help them build companies, help them right. um, take their, take their causes and help them actually get from point A to point B that's helping. Right. Not just exactly. saying support. I have to just say, I'm not going to mention names at all, but I, I do know two women who actually 
didn't realize who I was or my network that I have or what I do and very much dismissed me and in, in and I'm not one to take any kind of act. I walk away. <laughs> okay, that's not my yeah. tribe. That's fine with me. Your opinion to me is not your business and uh, not my business, I should say. But um, it it is exactly what you're talking about. So many of them, it's a PR stunt to make them look good like they're helping women, but are they really helping women? I don't know. Yeah, we had a term for that uh, at Blogger, pink washing. Pink washing. I've never heard of that, but that's perfect. Yes. Pink washing. That's exactly, oh my God, that's powerful. I'm going to put that in the blog for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm not sure if it's still, I haven't heard it in a while, but I know that, I've you know, working with that. advertisers, there were some that truly were devoted to furthering causes for women because women were their customers. And then there's some who, you know, very temporarily will, you know, throw it out there in a commercial that they're supporting something for, for women. But, you know, that, it, I think you could say that about a lot of different things and sure, just sure. talking your talk. That's ultimately what I, what I'm encouraged by is that I'm seeing a lot more companies, uh, investors, a lot more uh, brands that are walking their talk. I love that that things are, um, I think we're seeing a, a, a paradigm shift. Things are more uh, transparent. Like things are, people are more authentic. We're not abiding by the, you know, white male language of business, right? We are embracing vulnerability. We're being raw and real. And, you know, somebody is recognizing the elephant in the room saying, come on, uh, there's no such thing as work-life balance or, you know, it's integration. It's, we don't forget the kids just because we're at work or we don't forget mm -hmm. work just because we're at home or, you know, it's doing it all, managing it all and staying sane. So, um, yeah, I like that the, the new normal is no BS call, you know, it is what it is, right? Um, not trying to hide behind the the handbook of corporate America, you know, the right. white written handbook. I, I do that. feel that the, the pandemic has sort of created yeah. this leveling and, and, and to be say level set. Yes. Yes. It, yeah. I guess a level set. And there's so many other systemic issues that it's brought to the fore. So I don't mean to, to um, overstate that, but I think for a lot of, you're right, I, we all are working, those of us who can work from home, we're working from home and we're all in this together. We all have our kids running in and out of the room <laughs> and things yeah. that we, you know, all these very human, we, we can't deny that. And we can't pretend that we're not all grappling with, with this. Right. So there is something uh, strangely empowering when we're talking about empowering in this leveling and that, you know, we, we're kind of all starting from a, from a similar point. I love that, um, that YouTube uh, video when we saw the guy, I think it, he was, he was working from home and his little baby came in the room. Like, it was like, now you get it. I mean, this is, this is my life. This is, you know, and my husband does these meetings. He's a CEO. He has meetings and the cat walks on the laptop. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's our cat. 
yes, he's a cat man. We used to have a dog. We're also dog people, but it gives you insight into the humanness of this person, right? That you, you get to relate to this person who was once just a title or, you know, um, a, you know, a figurehead or, or what have you. But yes, yeah, so I think it's been a, a great leveling to use your word. Um, well, let me ask you, has this been the biggest challenge or setback or what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? Wow. I, I have to say, um, I mean, there are setbacks that the biggest setback to date has been this pandemic, but that's more of like a collective societal uh setback. I would say uh, building something from scratch, that is, that was probably my biggest challenge. And literally being there from, you know, I, I joke about with, with Blogger on our first day, we, we actually started as an event and then we built a community and we listened to that community and then built the business based on what they wanted, which was at the time, more representation uh, in, in the advertising and media world. But in our first event, I was running around sweating, giving people cables because at the time, you know, the wireless was, was not working for everybody. And I was stuffing badges and I was handing out cookies. And I was, wow, right? I, remember. I remember. I love that. Oh, That's so funny. It was it was, you know, I mean, at the same time, I wouldn't have traded for anything. Right. I mean, it, it's just part of the story. So it, yes, it was hard. And yes, just going on, I remember uh, just always being on airplanes or always going to yeah. meetings and you have no idea if these things are going to turn out. It's just the process. You've got to get out there. You've got to build, you've got to, you've got to show up. And I, I think that's hard anytime I've been in a, in a new situation, even now when, with, uh, yeah. with the app company, we're, we're a new company and it, it's kind of like a reminder of, oh yes, you have to go. You, you just part of the journey. You have to do it. Yeah. And I, so I think that that was probably the hardest in, in, in my career that I would say I've, and at the same time, the most rewarding part of it. Right. Right. It's like, you have to embrace it's so I look not to get to uh, some people might not be comfortable with this, but I look at at challenges like that as when I was giving birth. So every painful contraction was just something you go through to get to where you want to be. Right. So yes. um, that's that's the journey. Right. You embrace as the military puts it and I'm quoting embrace the suck. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned childbirth because. When I, so I have, I have two kids and my uh, sister was telling me, cause she had her kids before I had mine. She was like, you'll, you'll never want to remember that it's pain. You just immediately forget the pain because if you remembered it, it, it would torture you. And when I thought about that, I have to say, well, she's right to some extent because yes, it, <laughs> it was painful, but I, I go back to that day all the time it's like one of my most uh like my favorite memories in life are the the days that my kids were born right so sometimes the most painful difficult periods in our lives can be the most um memorable the most and the most impactful feeling meaningful yeah yes meaningful that's the word perfect i i am i am 100 on board with what you said and 
and again, not to be too, you know, I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to say it. Uh, this is something we share that men don't experience, right? So yeah. their perspective is different. We we certainly have a unique perspective for having gone through that um, meaningful process to get to that, you know, wonderful destination. So let me ask you this. This is the time in the show where, um, and not everyone does it. I had someone say no once, but it's called the wild card question. So it's a question that I'll ask that I did not share with you in advance. And I don't even know the question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, goodness. Right. It's what do you have? Do you have like a list in front of you and you like close your eyes and you (laughs) <laughs> no, I have a box of 144 questions. And if you're game, awesome. I actually will reach into the box, pull out a question and ask it. And then you'll have a moment to think about it, um, you know, and then answer. Oh, yeah. But only if you're game. Oh, no, I, I actually sort of sort of enjoy. Um, I say that now, but I do enjoy sort of the impromptu opportunity. Oh my God. Well then let's do it. It's yeah. a wild card question. We're going to do it now. So I'm okay. going to reach into my box. It's a little box of 144 questions. Oh, I love this one. I've asked this one before and this will be easy for you. Oh, I should pull a different one actually. So I'll ask it's uh, what is the section of the bookstore that you like best? Mm. Okay. So um Anytime that I'm asked to say a favorite, I am the most change. I mean, I, I change my mind constantly. So I, um, and that's just, that is something to know about me, but I would Very entrepreneurial. say, yes, psychology. Oh, me too. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Psychology. And sometimes I'll like veer over to self-help. Yeah. Right. Clap. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Study others, study self, the study yes. of the mind of others and the study of the mind of self. Yeah. Um, I love that. You're my kind of woman. That's amazing. Yeah. What a great answer. What a great answer. Well, I know people are going to want to meet you or get to know you or learn more about your new um, gig. Tell us how they can reach you. Well, um, I won't, I'll say, I'll say my at sign, but I don't think you can reach me yet unless you have an at sign. So uh, my at sign is at Jory, but um the website is at sign.com and it's spelled out because you can't actually have an at sign in your web address. Uh, so it's atsign.com and you can find me there and you can reach me from there too. I want my own at Susan. Oh yeah. How do I do that? Get it now before all right. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely if, if you, if you have like a one word one, snatch it. Well, I want to do that right now. So when we hang up from the podcast, do I go to at sign.com and learn more about how? Yes, you can. That's what I'm going to do. Jory, it has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks so much, Susan. You're amazing. I can't wait to share you on my, uh, with my audience in two weeks, I'll post the blog and I'll sync the podcast into the blog. And people will get to hear you and read about you as well. Great. How fun. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.